It's time for the Talent Talk Radio Show, brought to you by People G2, a nationwide leader in background checks and employment screening solutions. People G2 gives their clients access to the best human capital management and due diligence tools available. They are dedicated to helping their clients with all of their people-related decisions. To learn more, go to www.peopleg2.com. Talent Talk centers on the topics of talent recruitment and management, leadership development, company culture, and employee engagement. These are all timely topics for CEOs, entrepreneurs, HR professionals, and business leaders. We hope that as you tune in to listen each week, whether to the live broadcast or to the podcast on iTunes or iHeartRadio, that you hear something you can take away that will help you grow and impact your career in a positive way. And now, here's the host of the Talent Talk Radio Show, the founder and CEO of People G2, Chris Dyer. Hey, good afternoon, and thank you, everyone, for tuning in here to Talent Talk. It's Tuesday, and that means we have some guests uh, lined up for you uh, to talk about talent today. So in case this is the first time you happen to be tuning in, kind of give you a little rundown on how this works. I like to do this at the start of every show for all of our new listeners. Um, and really the way it works is I have the privilege of meeting some really cool people at different conferences, events, through LinkedIn, whatever it may be, and I might typically pull them aside and ask them a few questions and try to learn from them. And so this show is really designed to give you that opportunity to listen in on that, that conversation so that I'm not the only one that gets to learn some of the cool things that they might be doing, um, they might be thinking about, books they might be reading, whatever it is that we can learn from these really talented people. So as I mentioned before, Talent Talk is live here every Tuesday, 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And uh, you, know, you can access it through all sorts of different areas. I uh, really appreciate those who come in live, but most people actually tune in after the fact and they get our podcast on itunes or they listen to us on iHeartRadio. and you know over the last several years we've been really fortunate to have uh, just about averaging around 10 11 000 people every day downloading at least one of the podcasts off one of our feeds and just a huge honor to have everyone uh, tuning in and participating and being a part of the show speaking of being a part of the show uh, we love to have guest questions come in from the audience so if you're listening live Love to have you submit a question. Uh, if it's not live, it's after the fact. You can still ask the question, and hopefully our guests or myself can catch it on Twitter, and we will answer back then. But all you got to do is pop in that question at at peopleg2, and if you have room, the hashtag talent talk to your question, and Mike can try to feed me in, or we'll answer to you after the fact. Love to keep, keep that conversation going. Speaking of conversations, let's talk about who we're going to be talking to today. My two guests, uh, my first one will be... Uh, Angel, uh, excuse me, uh, Angelica, excuse me, Gamble Wong. I feel like I'm saying that wrong, but um, and the senior vice president of HR of Rubio's Restaurants. We'll find out from her in just a second how bad I've murdered that. But um, and then we'll have Craig Bryant on, the co-founder and CEO of Where We Are Mammoth. Uh, Craig will get me in the second half. So uh, let's welcome in my first guest. Welcome to the show. Thanks. It's Angelica. Angelica, see. The obvious, the simple. I probably could mess up my own name if someone was, yeah. Anyways, I have a bad habit of suddenly seeing a name and then getting nervous about it. That's the one thing that I always seem to get tripped up on. So, um, Angelica, thank you so much for being on the show. Maybe you can tell everyone a little bit about yourself, uh, your background, and, of course, uh, you know, talk about your role over at Rubio's uh, Restaurants. Um, well, my background is in HR. I have about 20 years of experience in HR, and I've worked primarily in startup, turnaround, and high-growth environments, so I've been super fortunate in my career to work um, in really challenging situations. Um, I've been fortunate, sorry, fortunate enough to be a part of the Rubio's team for over six years now, and I'm currently the SVP of People Services. Well, that's great. And uh, what sort of uh, drew you into Rubio's, you know, kind of being there now for six years? What, what's sort of the part of that uh, experience like for you? Well, what drew me in was the food, because I'd been a Rubio's fan for a long time before um, the opportunity even presented itself. Um, but it's a fantastic company with a fantastic feel, and uh, I was very, very excited to be a part of it. And your your company is uh, very big and has a lot of different you know potential challenges with you guys being a multiple state and having hundreds of locations and just employees all over the place. So, you know, what are some of the the, the bigger challenges that sort of face you on a day to day basis? 
Well, I think one of our biggest challenges is making sure that the culture and the feel of the restaurants here in our home market of San Diego feels the same to our guests who live in our outer markets like Florida and Colorado and Utah. Uh, that requires us to hire the right people who will, who will support the culture of the company. Um, we put in processes and procedures to help support that uh, culture out in the field, and we celebrate um, when people experience um, or provide the experience to our guests that we really want to provide in our restaurants. I would say you guys seem to be doing a pretty good job about that. Every time I'm in a Rubio's, I feel like I get a pretty consistent experience. I feel like I'm in a, you know, the how it looks is pretty consistent in a good way. Um, the staff, sort of your, your interactions with them are, are relatively consistent and good. So that must be fairly challenging to try to bring that forth. Because if you think about other types of companies like yours, that's not necessarily the experience I'm having, right? There's rapid differences between the locations, the staffing is completely different. So is that something that's just a big focus for you guys, or do you have a, maybe a program in place that really helps you with that? We do. It, it is a big focus for us. We know that um, people could choose to go to many different restaurants, and um, when they come in to our restaurants, we have a campaign that we call Make It Personal, and we really do try and make it a fantastic, different experience for our guests. So we have um, team members who um, have thrown, helped throw birthday parties because we had a guest whose daughter loved Rubio's and really wanted to have a birthday party at Rubio's. And so this team member went out and got balloons and and really set it up so it would be a fun experience and actually baked a cake for this wow. guest, which was fantastic. But that's something that um, we think that our team members do go above and beyond for our guests. And so we actually ask our team members to send in their stories when they do things like this that are really kind of above and beyond. And we hold contests and raffles and we celebrate it. We put it on our social media. But it, it is definitely something that is supported by an initiative here because we want to make sure that when that team member at that store out in, I don't know, Bakersfield does something special, that it's acknowledged and recognized by the entire system. So would it be maybe an accurate statement? Are you guys kind of actively then trying to focus in on positive type things or positive interactions or trying to reinforce that? As a, is that kind of a company goal to focus on positivity? It is It is absolutely a company goal to focus on positivity. Um, there are just so many things to celebrate, really in any company, but I think especially in Rubio's. And I think a lot of companies don't do a good job celebrating all the wonderful things that their team members or employees do. And I think that that's one of the things that Rubio's actually does very, very well. Yeah, it sounds like it, especially if, you know, you're you're happy that someone went and, and spent their own time baking a cake and helping them out with the balloons and all that. I mean, and then, you know, celebrating it. I can certainly think of other environments where they might have, you know, told the person not to do that or um, sort of discourage you know, that that type of out of the boundaries or out of the norm type of thinking, and so it's great that you guys are, are looking at that in a positive way. Um, you know, one of the other things that can be a big challenge for a company like yours is if you're focusing so much on trying to get your talent right and your 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 experience right, you've also got to deal with you know kind of multiple states and counties and cities and all the different types of, of rules that might be in place in that are different as far as hiring goes and how you manage your people so how do you deal with some of those compliance type issues so we provide as many companies do compliance training to our restaurant managers we probably go a little bit further down into our organization than most companies do we take it down to um, a lead level and then we provide a lot of like quick reference tools that a manager um, has at their fingertips at the restaurants. Um, that's, you know, a reminder of here are the minor laws in your area, here are the overtime laws in your area, et cetera. So we just provide them the tools that they need. 
Well, that's great. So you're taking it down, um, sort of putting it back into the hands of the managers of the restaurants, which certainly is a, a, a strategic choice because some organizations will pull it back up and say, well, everything's got to run through HR. And so, you know, these five people or 10 people or whatever, maybe this team is going to manage it all. But you're sounds like you're sort of pushing it back to the managers and asking them to to really take that on and to be and to be knowledgeable in uh, about what their locality might require. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. So compliance really for us happens out where those managers are interacting with the team members, and we can't manage whatever 47, 4,800 employees from a corporate office. So it has to be delegated down to the store level. Right, absolutely. Well, I know you've had a, a, a long career in uh, human resources, and um, you know, we sort of see people that get into it right away. They know that this is what they want to do. And then I'm going to tell you, maybe the other half of our guests didn't ever intend on being in HR, but they just sort of found it on accident and realized that they, it was a place for them. So maybe what has been some of your biggest challenges that you have seen um, over your career is, you know, maybe things like talent acquisition or onboarding or maybe just overall the HR management. What are some of the things that have been, those larger maybe rocks or, you know, in, in your process? Wow, that's a really big question, and we could spend a ton of time talking about that. But well, I, pick I'll the pick most one, interesting. and that's, that's um, talent acquisition has always, to me, been about finding the person who not only fits the job today, but who has the stretch um, to make their job something bigger in the future, who actually changes their position by what they bring to it. Um, So I guess, to me, it's all about potential. And each position in a company provides an opportunity. And talent acquisition professionals and HR people have to make the most out of every single one of those opportunities and get the greatest return for that position. Um, which is, by the way, a two-way street. It's not just about finding the best person for the company. It's also about ensuring that it's the best fit for the candidate. Um, Is the position something that they will be engaged with and will excite them so that they can be fulfilled and excited and really want to push themselves? So to me, I think one of the greatest challenges has been talent acquisition and really looking for people who are going to do more than what you envision them doing today. Well, that's a great way to look at it. You know, how, if you can hire people that have that stretch uh, capability and you can, can look at someone not only for what they might give you today, but what, what they might be able to, to learn and do and give you tomorrow, I think that's a great way to look at it. And then, of course, that fulfills people's need to want to get better, to learn new things, to advance in the company. And so if you're already thinking about them that way, kind of setting yourself up for a longer-term relationship with those people. So that's really uh, great to hear. I know in your LinkedIn profile, one of the things I noticed was that you kind of mentioned developing people and helping them realize their potential is really your passion. So what do you do to maybe ensure development happens with employees um, of your organization, whether it's at the corporate level or within your stores? Our company ensures that development is important. And I think that probably the most effective way that it does that is that it's not just the role of HR to develop our team members. It's really um, every single department is involved in the development of our team members, whether it's the development of team members within their specific function or cross-functionally. So here at Rubio's, it's really ingrained in our culture. And then we have so many examples of people who have started as cooks for us and have risen through the ranks. And there's so much value in that experience that they bring to the table. And we just really walk the talk when it comes to internal promotion. So, for example, our VP of Ops Services started as a cook with us many years ago. Our Director of Development started as a team member in the restaurants. Our former senior vice president of operations started as an assistant manager. So it really goes back to who you hire. Are you hiring people who have that stretch and who want to learn and who want to grow and have that desire within themselves? 
and then try to ensure as a company to give them every single opportunity to do that um, and encourage them and celebrate it when it happens and and make a big deal out of it. We have videos that we put on our career site that shows, hey, I started as a cook and now I'm a district manager. And um, I think that it becomes more believable and more possible for people if they see examples, and we have lots of examples, fortunately, of where that's actually happened. So it's, it's beyond just HR. Right, absolutely, and sort of expanding that to the entire company is is a great way to do it. That everyone is in charge of helping your people get better, and if it's a real cultural uh, push that you know you love to kind of promote from within and, and look at people for their next position, it's um, kind of setting yourself up for that uh, success. Uh, you know, and sort of looking at HR from a strategic standpoint, maybe there are some things you could talk about that you view as being the maybe the most important. Um, roles in which HR plays a strategic role. Um, we talked a little bit about tactics here, compliance and things like that, and training. But from a strategy standpoint, where do you see HR fitting maybe overall and especially in your company? Um, you know, I love this question, and here's why. Um, I do like to turn it on its end. And the reason is there isn't a most specific function within HR that's more strategic than any other function. It's really about being a business person with an HR expertise or a talent acquisition expertise or an HRIS expertise. Um, it's really about how can you support the business goals and everything that you do, does it help drive the company in that direction? And I think it's, it takes a strategic mindset regardless of which function you're working in, but every function within HR and not just within HR, but within the entire company, really should be looking at, here are my objectives, and if those objectives aren't supporting and aligned with where the company needs to be, are those the right objectives? So I guess I like to think of HR people as really just business people who have an expertise in HR. Well, that's a great way to look at it because that has not been the way in which people have viewed HR historically. I think it's gotten a lot better over the last uh, maybe 10 years. Um, but it's great that you're kind of looking at it from that perspective of being a great, you know, being a business person who has that, you know, sort of that, uh, I guess, you know, no one looks at someone on a, on a sports team and says, well, you're only this thing, right? You're you're a member of the entire team and you just happen to have a focus. Maybe you, if we use volleyball, for an example, you're a good server, you're a good setter or whatever it may be. Uh, but in business, for some reason, we've taken HR people and said, well, you're only this one thing. And so I really like the, kind of the way you, you've you've laid it out there. And it sounds like your organization is, is supportive of that. Is that, that be kind of a correct summary? It is absolutely supportive of that, and there is a lot of cross-functional work. And when there's a problem that the company is faced with, it's brought to the team. And I love your analogy of a volleyball team and how everyone has to rotate. And, yes, some people have some strengths, but, you know, that player that isn't the one that typically spikes the ball and scores the point, maybe that player's out of position, but somebody else does it for them, Um and they do it in a different way. It's just using kind of a different style. So I think that's a great analogy. So maybe let's look at, uh, you know, something that maybe you might be dealing with. I don't know. Uh, just kind of given the nature of your business, um, we typically see that um, uh, restaurant-type businesses or uh, those, you know, any of those types of, if we kind of make a broad uh, perspective, uh, that they tend to deal with turnover uh, as one of their issues or one of their concerns um, whether it's because people are going to move for a little bit more money or maybe they're college students and then they're going to move on to another career, another job. So how do you maybe deal with some of that? We talked a little bit about some of the upward mobility in your organization, but is that something you guys deal with on a regular basis? Yes, absolutely. In any kind of hospitality um, industry and especially restaurants, there's a tremendous amount of turnover. And so we try to instill a culture where our team members um, want to stay with the company, and it can't be an HR initiative. It has to start at the top. It has to start with the CEO, and I'm very fortunate because our CEO and Ralph Rubio, um, who's still part of our company, are so good at 
ensuring that they spread that culture and they're out in the restaurants. And, gosh, Ralph will go up to a cook that he's met, you know, a year ago and say, hey, I remember the last time I spoke to you that your son was entering college. How he's How is he doing? I mean, that just speaks so much to the team members. And that's such an important part of our culture is that there's this connection to everyone. It's like a family. Ralph started the company um, with his family, and I think one of the really amazing things is that it still feels like a family, even though we have so many team members. Um, And I think our leadership does a great, great job supporting that. And we have other initiatives. We actively support that. So we have a really fun initiative that we've just kicked off, and it's called Hashtag Born to Be. And we have team members submit um, baby photos of themselves and then photos of themselves today at work. And it's, hey, I was born to be a part of Team Rubio's. And it's just another fun way where we celebrate our culture. Like, we wanted you to be a part of our company, and we're so glad that you're part of our family. And then our uh, Facebook, our team member Facebook and Twitter page um, always has every week a different team member across the banner that is celebrating how many years they have with the company. So I think right now I have a team member on there that's celebrating her five-year anniversary. But it's really about um, our culture is all about the people. And I think that that's what makes us different. And it's, it's coming from the top and it's being celebrated regularly. And I think it's, you feel it when you're in the restaurants. Well, if you can use the word family um, and your people can uh, feel like that is an accurate word for your organization with 48 people in, or 4,800 people in it, that's a pretty big accomplishment um, because that's uh, it's a lot of people to, to wrap around into a family. You know, you, you've talked about a lot of great things here today and um, seem like you're, 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 you're very bright and know exactly what you're doing. So I'm going to, most people I know who are like that um, also tend to read a lot. Uh, or at least have in the past read some pretty impactful books that maybe um, maybe you might pick one and, and share that with us that you think you know a listener might want to pick up, might want to read, might want to think about some of the things in that book to, to start to do and, and try to be some of the things that you've talked about. Um, well, I'm currently reading Looks Good on Paper by Leslie Pratch, and it's about assessing leadership on different criteria, and it's really four different criteria that she's talking about, and that's assessing leadership on integrity, um, psychological autonomy, which is um, making a decision that isn't necessarily popular but is the right decision for the business, integrative capacity, which is when you have so much information, as we all do, coming at us from so many different directions, how well can the leader create a framework of understanding so that they can process and make the right decisions with that information. And then um, what she calls catalytic coping, which is coping and problem-solving skills. So I haven't finished the book, but it's a fantastic um, new bent on how to look at leadership and how to assess leadership. And is the person that you're assessing um, to come join your company, is it the right leadership skill for what you need? Well, that sounds like a great book that anyone who... Mike's tuning into this show would probably want to read, so we should have you check that out. Don't forget, we will do a recap of this uh, show and post it up on our blog, and we will list that book there as well, the link. Um, well, we're almost out of time. I want to make sure we uh, ask you uh, the last two questions on our list, and that is, you know, you kind of walked through a lot of great things here today. If, if someone only remembered one thing, out of all the great things that you said, if they just remembered one thing, what was that thing that you kind of wish they would take back and think about or, or take back to their organizations? The most important asset in your company is your people, and they walk out your door every day. What are you doing to make them come back? Well, that's a great one to think about um, and how you can get them to come back. That That's wonderful. Well, how can people get a hold of you or learn more, whatever is appropriate, learn more about opportunities at Rubio's, or what's the best way for them to kind of learn more if, if they're interested? Um, well, certainly go to our uh, webpage at www.rubios.com, and if you're interested in joining our family, go to the careers page there. Um, I have my own little blog at HR Lifeguard, 
com, and I'm on Twitter at Angelica G. Wong. Well, Angelica, thank you so much for being a part of the show today. Uh, we learned uh, learned a lot of great things, and hopefully we can have you come back at uh, some point and give us an update on how you're doing. Hey, thanks so much. It was a lot of fun. All right, we'll be uh, right back after this quick commercial break with our second guest, Craig Bryant. Imagine what it would feel like to lose everything. Your job, your home, your family, your dignity. This has happened to thousands of the men, women, veterans, and young adults we serve at Working Wardrobes. What do we do to help? We provide career development services, life skills workshops, job skills training. We provide the perfect interview outfit, and we get clients placed in jobs. Call Working Wardrobes, 714-210-2460. Donate, volunteer, invest, hire. Imagine buying a newspaper and discovering that the news you're reading is six months old. There isn't much that stays the same for six months. And the same thing goes for background checks. In a time when so much outdated information is being passed around, it's good to know that PeopleG2 offers something different. At PeopleG2, we provide today's intelligence, not yesterday's news. Our value-added approach offers you a fully FCRA-compliant solution that includes up-to-the-minute information. By combining industry-leading technology with old-school human investigation, PeopleG2 is able to give you information that is accurate right now, delivered quickly to our online system, or integrated with your HR system. So ask yourself, are you comfortable working with old news? Or are you ready for a different kind of background check company? Visit PeopleG2.com or call 800-630-2880. That's 800-630-2880 or PeopleG2.com. When it comes to pioneers in their respective industries, we all know the Apples, Starbucks, and Trader Joe's of the world. In the realm of recruiting, Decision Toolbox is the industry's best-kept secret. With 90% of their business from referrals and repeat customers, for over 20 years, Decision Toolbox's U.S.-based team of recruiters, sourcers, professional writers, quality personnel, and tech support has perfected a Six Sigma approach to talent management. No matter the size of the project, Decision Toolbox delivers incredible results. A cost per hire less than half of what contingency firms charge. With the winning candidate presented in an average of 14 days. All with a 12-month candidate warranty. With results like that, Decision Toolbox won't be a secret for long. Visit us at www.dtoolbox.com for more information. Wow. Marketing predictions are out for 2015, and marketing success is changing. Did you know that Google is now actively tracking your business and personal brand and online reputation? Online and offline marketing has changed. Google is driving more than 85% of your traffic. And if your brand is inconsistent or has poor mobile usability, your rankings and traffic can suffer in 2015. To learn how your business is currently viewed, and what can be done to improve your brand's visibility and authority? Contact SunUp Group for a free marketing analysis. It could be a business game changer. Visit www.sunupgroup.com today or call 877-609-3840, extension 700. If you are an Orange County business executive, this message is for you. Do you ever feel isolated with no place to turn for advice or feedback? Who holds you accountable to your commitments in your company? Where do you find the right resources to help you and your company grow? If you have these questions, then Critical Mass for Business might be the answer for you. Critical Mass for Business is committed to helping you make better decisions. These are groups of peers running businesses just like you, providing a great sounding board to test ideas and concepts, review plan and goals, and present issues and opportunities for discussion. The result is improved strategy, accountability, people, and execution skills. If you are interested in learning more, go to www.criticalmassforbusiness.com and learn more about our executive peer group. Richard Franzi is a highly sought-after keynote speaker on topics of interest to CEOs of middle firms across North America. 
Richard's talks include Killing Cats Leads to Rats, a fascinating look at how unintended consequences of CEOs' decisions impact their firm's performance. Your Gray Matter Matters, which explores how a CEO's mindset can differentiate a middle market firm and define its culture. Richard delivers talks to a variety of audiences, ranging from executive team retreats to keynotes in front of hundreds of CEOs. To learn more about his talks, visit criticalmassforbusiness.com and select the contact page or call 949-887-4104. All right, now back to Chris and his next guest. Hey, welcome back to the Talent Talk Radio Show. We had a little uh, technical glitch there. Apparently the entire Internet is out in my facility. So we've moved to cell phones, and we'll, we'll overcome technology. So uh, appreciate everybody's patience, and we'll go ahead and get back uh, back on track here. My next guest is uh, Craig Bryant. He is the uh, co-founder of uh, We Are Mammoth. Uh, and we're going to bring him in now. And uh, as a reminder, don't forget, you can uh, submit a question to People G 2 and we'll try to get it uh, going into there. If you can put it on Twitter, and we'll try to get any questions you have in there. So, Craig, uh, welcome to the show. Hey, Chris. Thank you very much. Yeah, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself? Of course, we want to know uh, all about your company uh, and what you guys are doing over there at We Are Mammoth. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm a co-founder and CEO at We Are Mammoth. We're a digital innovation uh, a company located in Chicago. We're actually distributed now, so we're in 16 or 17 different states. Um, been around since 2006. I started out as an engineer, moved up to be a project and account manager, then sort of a business manager. And 10 years in, I've sort of woven between different roles. We built a couple of product companies called Kin and Dundun. One's a uh, HR software management tool, and the other is a software management tool it's a task management tool for software engineering teams um and at this point yeah i'm just sort of moving moving away from the products and back into the helmet uh we are mammoth and we're starting to dig into building some more companies so your focus there with your company has changed from the i guess the consulting market uh into company building market so can you talk about you know what that has meant and kind of the transition for you guys and the vision and direction and where that kind of puts you as a from a trajectory for your future sure um yeah to be candid uh we're we're kind of going through this transition now and it's we're seeing signs of other companies in the in the digital consulting industry doing the same thing where the traditional kind of pony show of of going out and shopping around web development and web design as services and to themselves, it's sort of an industry that's drying up. Um, so what we've seen success in is building our own products, helping other companies build and market and evolved digital products, you know, so like SaaS products or software, web apps, those types of things. And so we're, we're going with what we've been successful at over the past six or seven years. Um, and it's, a, it's sort of a hybrid. So we're, we're doing our own incubation, creating our own ideas, going through our own workshops uh, to build and then find funding for new products. Uh, but then we're also going out to larger organizations like the ones that we've been working with for 10 years um, and starting to find ways to help transform them and to get them thinking more about problems rather than just solutions. So helping them crack open and research uh, the existence of problems, industry or organization-wide, uh, and then going about creating solutions a little bit more organically than than we have in the past. And so with that sort of change in your approach and what you're doing there, has that sort of changed your leadership style at all or your, your approach in any way um, as you kind of shifted gears? Definitely. There there have been a lot of peaks and valleys in the way I've learned about my own leadership in over 10 years. Um, obviously, when we were super, super small, it was all hands on deck. And as, as the company grew, the type of leadership that the company needed has, has changed as well. So there are times when 
we weren't really trying to change our business model. We were just trying to sustain, so getting through business development, um, helping to keep and retain existing clients. Uh, and then when we started to get into our own product development, becoming more of a sort of a product visionary, product leader, um, so that I could create create the strategies for the products and then create create basically from a blank canvas a picture from which the rest of a team that was more operational um, uh, the operational state of mind you know in terms of like engineering and marketing and sales and all of that to help sort of paint the picture for them so that they could go off and do what they're doing and now 10 years 10 years on you know like I mentioned we've we've been successful at creating these brands creating these products we want to spin that up more so more and more my job is in what I call the visionary and strategic leadership end of the business where we have folks whose jobs are purely operational. So that could be director of uh, engineering or, or marketing, that type of thing. My, my job is really to keep people inspired, keep them striving toward whatever is next, keep them thinking about the future. And then while I'm sort of visioning and working on strategies for the future of our own products and our own companies, uh, trying to clear any roadblocks while I'm up there and try to get out ahead of hiring, try to get out ahead of funding, market trends, and that type of thing. I know. Uh, so the last year, my company uh, kind of transformed the way we handled employee reviews. And I saw an article and kind of getting ready for you to come on uh, the show you wrote about uh, how to improve employee reviews. So maybe you could kind of walk us through what you found to be effective in this process uh, and how how do you manage them within your own company? Sure. You know, at, at a certain certain size of organization, uh, you know, like when we went through our, our own resizing in 2012, 2013, we took a little bit more formal approach to employee reviews. Um, you know, having having worked at much larger organizations where, you know, you'd get together with the manager or VP once a year, it really wasn't successful, and we knew that we wanted to do something different there. Um, so we started uh, creating quarterly check-ins, so making sort of more frequent, more informal uh, meetings with with our direct reports, with our with our peers, with my own business partners, um, and part of that job or purpose of that meeting was to create objectives rather than to just have ad hoc conversations. You know, the outcomes of these somewhat informal meetings would be to create objectives for the next quarter, create objectives that would help, you know, push push a business forward for the next year, that type of thing. So uh, in tandem with that, we always try to make sure that, you know, uh, an employee's own objectives are well aligned with where the company is headed to. So we create company objectives and make sure that there's sort of an understanding to how an employee's objectives sort of feed into the, the business's objectives. Um, some, something, something akin to OKRs is a little bit different, a little bit more informal. Um, and now that we've sort of been doing that for a few years, we've released a feature inside of Ken to manage employee objectives, manage the review process. Um, I'm finding that the, the more frequently we can check in and just use since we're distributed, we use Slack and video chats a lot. You know, the more we can check in, the more we can talk, the more I see the value in just making sure that we're we're well aligned day in and day out with with everybody. So, uh, particularly in in the strategic leadership end of our business, it's the conversations and uh, creating the visions together during those conversations that I think have the biggest uh, value on the business. Well, you mentioned Slack, and we, we use HipChat, and I think you guys have a, you know, a virtual organization like, like mine is. Um, it's that we'd love to kind of know some of the, maybe what are some of the things you're doing or thinking about. Um, uh, there's not a whole lot of us out there that are running virtual companies. Um, but what, what do you kind of maybe find are some of the, the key things that you're doing well or maybe some of the things that, um, you know, in, in transitioning to that that you really have to think about? Sure. I, I got to back up just a little bit. We we were all on site in our Chicago office. Uh, so back to 2012, 2013, as I mentioned earlier, when we started growing, uh, we got a little got a little bit cramped in our quarters in Chicago. 
Uh, and we also had some difficulty finding enough folks in Chicago that could work on site. So we started hiring outside of the organization. And a couple of the priorities that we made when we were doing that were to ensure that if we're hiring engineers, that we're going to have to have a, a really solid Internet connection, which is not really something that we have to worry too much about anymore these days, uh, but also to have a really fast, strong, secure VPN because our engineers who are remote, they'd have to be dialing in through our VPN to get into all the servers and stuff that, uh, you know, where they'd be parking our, our web apps and whatnot. So from the very onset, we made sure that operationally everyone who was remote was going to have just, an efficient, just as an efficient uh, workplace wherever they were as someone who was working out of our office. Um, and over, over the years, that's become a lot easier just with the latency, uh, the decline in late, latency in uh, residential uh, Internet connections like Comcast or Google Fiber and whatnot. So that problem has sort of solved itself. Uh, the second part is since we were a physical workplace, uh, we knew some of the things that were incredibly important to our community, our workplace community on site. So when we started going remote first, which is basically saying, all right, Everybody does their jobs from somewhere else. You can be in the office in Chicago. You can be at home. You can be at a cafe. You can be on a, you know, on a cruise ship. But we, we already had some artifacts and values that we knew our company needed, our workplace community needed to survive. So we made sure that we created the almost, I'd say, like the digital analog of whatever those physical workplace uh um, interactions were. For example, we used to do a daily stand-up in our office every day at 11.45. Everybody would come into the front of our office and we'd go around the room. Everybody would say what they're doing, what they've done, any roadblocks that they needed help with. Um, so when we moved completely online to remote first, we still have that daily interaction with everybody. After all, you know, they're folks whose lives we don't really get to interact with. Um, we're, we're spending a few hours every day with them, sure. But after you disconnect from Slack or your video chats or whatever, folks are disappearing, right? So we, we place a, a, a lot of value on the, the regularity of those video conferences that we have. So every day, same time. Right now it's 1030 Central that we get online with everybody. Fridays we stretch it out a little bit. So we'll do the, the regular routine meeting, go around the room. But then we do a company recap. We talk about all three brands, what's going on, you know, what wins have we had, what losses have we had that week. And then we take an extra 15 minutes and everybody talks about what's going on in their lives. That could be whatever whatever they're doing that weekend. If it's a sporting event, I like to cycle, so sometimes it's a bike race that I'm going to or something I'm doing with my kids. Just making sure that we're touching base on a human basis with everybody at least a few times a week. Well, and I heard you mention um, sort of what sounded like the uh, basic uh, daily scrum. I mean, you call it a daily stand-up, but the three questions you mentioned there sound like a scrum or agile to me. So do you guys yep. use that uh, still inside of your company? We do. We have a, a good a good mix of uh, consulting clients and then our, our, our products as well. And it's sort of whichever ones require whichever methodology some of our work admittedly is still fairly waterfall where we're doing a lot of specification up front and then it becomes a more routine engineering job with a very definitive end date you know other clients are on scrum so we're we're running one or two week sprints with them and then with our uh kin the the main active product that we're still supporting right now that's also running a uh, scrum process i admittedly am not a part of that um so well, I can't go more than angle deep in the details of that of that experience. <laughs> well, I recently had to be became a Scrum certified out in Boston with uh, Scrum being people, the group that uh, sort of invented the whole process. And I really did it just as from a curiosity standpoint and a little bit to reference uh, some things in the book and found myself absolutely in love with the process. And we've now implemented it here for kind of our project-based things, I and mean, it just doesn't make sense for our day-to-day work, but for anything else that we're doing and projects and our team stuff, it's been really great for us, so I'm always uh, 
sort of on the on the lookout as well for how people are implementing that and, and doing that in their own organizations. There's, there's, um, yeah, definitely a lot of value in it. We have three Scrum Master certified folks on our team, uh, and we definitely see a future in it. It comes with a lot of overhead and a lot of sort of cultural changes to the engineering uh, and design teams. But everybody's falling in line, and like I said, you know, for uh, for some, and like you said, for some for some products and some projects, it it fits like a glove. For other ones, it it seems like it's a little bit too much, and you know where we could just roll up our sleeves and get a job done inside of a month. But it really depends on what the you know what the outcome is and where where the product or business is in its life cycle. Yeah, it's amazing how it can it can really change a project, especially if things aren't moving quickly or having a hard time. And this may sound silly, but my son was taking forever this weekend to finish the cleaning the garage so i went out there halfway through it and i just created a scrum for him came up with all the tasks all the things he needed to do moved it's doing and done magically he was done in an hour with what he should have been done originally but for some reason he started getting into other things and you know getting fascinating or what have you so uh it's amazing how sometimes it can really organize people uh, you know kind of looking at your uh different things that you're doing um i'm kind of wondering you know, is there a book that, that you, you might be reading or a book that you recently read that you might share with us uh, that our listeners might be interested in checking out? Sure. We've, we've been on a tear, uh, tear lately for the past few months. Uh, we are mammoth and with reading a couple of good recent books that we've thrown around and sent around the organization. One is called Rocket Fuel. Um, it's a book I, by uh, Gina Wickman and Mark Winters. It's about what's called the visionary and integrator relationship. So basically, if you think about really successful CEO, COO relationships in, in business, um, it sort of dives into the mechanics of, of those relationships, basically saying whoever is responsible for product or business vision needs to be doing 100% of that all the time. And then the CEO role or the integrator role is responsible for taking that vision, distilling it into you know, operational processes, and then ensuring the integrity and the execution and all that sort of trickles down throughout the organization. So Rocket Fuel has been a really good book. Uh, I'm currently reading a book called, geez, what's it called? There's a lot of books on my bookshelf right now. Competing Against Luck is what it's called by uh, Clayton Christensen. Um, I think he's a Harvard fella, and he's responsible, along with his team, for this jobs-to-be-done theory, which basically for me, the way I receive the book and look at it and see value in it is helping me understand different ways to look at our customer before we build a product. So really training ourselves to look beyond just surveys and feedback via questionnaires and, you know, leading questions in our research and whatnot and trying to uncover the complex conditions in which buyers make their decisions to buy something, which could be, you know, our our software, Kin. Um, you know, Clay, in one of his famous videos, talks about buying a milkshake in the morning, and he sort of backs out and talks about the jobs to be done theory and how that applies to, I think it's Wendy's who created uh, – found a, a huge market opportunity for commuters buying milkshakes in the morning. Uh, but it's a really good book to, that's helped me understand what questions I should be asking uh, of my own folks working as we're going through our design sprints or our workshops, uh, what questions we should be asking our pr- prospective buyers of products that we haven't even built yet, uh, all in the interest of building a more more comprehensive higher value product maybe even with less effort on our part you know if we're if we're if we're sure and we can double down on the features or the products that we know will be most valuable we can say goodbye and deprioritize the things that we think might be a good idea um so that's been a really good book there's another book that's uh on our shelves lately called uh blue ocean strategy which has helped us identify uh, and do competitive landscaping for our products, both future and past and present. And just a way to help help us understand distinction in the marketplace, uh, a few exercises to help sort of jot down the core services and products that 
you know, our competitors provide, and then it helps us sort of visualize things so that we can create distinctions out there. So these are books that are coming in handy right now as Kin matures as a kind of an out-of-the-box software for small companies right now. We're, we're looking into how, how we can push it forward now that we're seeing consolidation in the HR software industry. What can Kin be doing to distinguish itself uh, to provide value above and beyond uh, what some of the competitors are doing, acknowledging, like, for example, that we're not going to become a payroll company like Zenefits or Gusto has done. Uh, so what other value can we be adding in there that's going to make us unique in that marketplace? Well, you mentioned a lot of great books, and um, I probably could pick one and talk about it for another 20 or 30 minutes, but we are actually out of time. And uh, again, as a reminder, we will have a recap of this. We'll mention all those books in that blog recap and make sure that we have them there for anyone who wants to, to grab them in case they didn't have a pen when they were listening uh, to jot them down. Um, but, uh, you know, Craig, how can people get a hold of you or how can they get a hold of your company if they're interested in learning more or wanting to work with We Are Mammoth? Sure. Uh, you can head over to wearemammoth.com. There's going to be a new website going up this Friday, actually, that's dramatically different than what you see up there right now. I'm looking forward to that. So that's we are mammoth. That's M-A-M-M-O-T-H dot com. Uh, kin is kinhr.com, K-I-N-H-R.com. And then the third company is dundun.com. So D-O-N-E, D-O-N-E dot com. Um, and I'm on Twitter. Um, I'm at Simple Cider. That's Simple Cider, S-I-D-E-R. So... That's where you'll find me. Well, Craig, thanks again for joining me today and uh, your patience with our technical issues at the beginning. Um, hopefully, we can have you come back at some point and give us an update on what you're doing and uh, keeping us uh, a constant in all the cool different areas you're going. So thank you yeah. for being a part of the show. I'd like that a lot. Yeah, thank I you very much, everyone. and thanks for having me. Sounds great. Thanks, everyone, again for listening today. Hopefully, you gained something that will help your own career in a positive way. Uh, next uh, let's see, next week my guest will include Autumn Manning, co-founder and CEO of You Earned It, and then a good friend of mine, Joe Rogers, co-founder and uh, CEO of RGB Projects and a uh, kind of aspiring uh, meditation guru. So until then, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today. You've been listening to Talent Talk Radio, brought to you by People G2.